Hello, and welcome to the Quest Church San Diego Sermon Podcast. Our church has a passion to reach people who are far from God, teach them to follow Jesus, and launch them out to serve God in the world. If you're in the San Diego area, we'd love for you to join us for a service. Please visit questsd.com to learn more about us, find out service times, and explore our ministries. If you have any questions, send us an email at info at questsd.com. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoy today's message. Let me encourage you, if you have your Bibles, to uh, grab them now and, and open them with me to Romans chapter 1, excuse me, Romans chapter 12, uh, beginning in verse 1. Romans chapter 12. And if you need a Bible, just uh, raise your hand. One of our, our ushers will bring you a Bible. We do want you to be able to follow along and keep track as we study through God's Word together, whether that's uh, a Bible on your lap or a Bible on your app. Uh, it's great to have that digitally as well. So um, as I mentioned, we are kicking off a new series. This is a, a, a little bit different than our, our normal routine on Sundays, but from time to time, we'll, we'll take a pause from our uh, Through the Bible studies and uh, look at some topical um, subjects, uh, and, uh, but they're still expositorily taught as we jump into the scriptures. And uh, so we're going to be focusing in on uh, this theme of blueprint, basically God's design for the church, and uh, really why we exist and why we do the things that we do, not only generally as, as the church, the, the universal church, the body of Christ. Uh, Jesus says, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And uh, Jesus is the good shepherd. He's the senior pastor. He's the one that we listen to. Uh, my sheep hear my voice and follow me. So, um, but yet in the scriptures, we're told that there are some dimensions and aspects to the church that are so foundational. And uh, over the course of, of the month of May, we're going to be looking at four aspects or dimensions of the church. One is the upward dimension. We're going to be looking at that, at that today. And that is looking at this theme of, of worship and, and um, surrender and uh, submitting to God. Uh, we're also going to be looking at the inward dimension of the church, which is uh, discipleship and fellowship and how we grow spiritually. Uh, third, we're going to be looking at the outward dimension, which is uh, evangelism and outreach. And then lastly, uh, at the end of the month, we're going to be looking at the onward dimension or aspect, which is this idea of multiplication. Uh, and so um, this, I, I believe, really is going to set the groundwork for us, um, you know, as far as an on-ramp going into the summer, because as, as I mentioned, there's a lot of activities planned, uh, ministries, uh, full uh, calendar of events for, um, for our church with families and, and youth and, and kids as well. But, uh, but also um, one thing that our leadership has been preparing for, in fact, over the past couple of years, for the seventh year after I had been pastoring here at the church is to facilitate a summer sabbatical for for me and our and our family and so for the month of june july and august it's a it's a time for us to to rest uh it's a time to uh, reconnect with one another uh with extended family um to refocus and really be renewed and let me just say up front i have no interest in going to any other church or any other place uh, my desire uh, is to continue to serve as, as a pastor here at Quest Church. And I believe that this opportunity, which is a privilege, a gift, um, a tremendous blessing to our, our family and to, um, to our ministry, 
uh, is only going to uh, bless our church, strengthen our church, but also give us uh, vision and direction moving forward as well. So there's more information to come uh, with uh, our summer sabbatical, but uh, we're putting together the, the schedule uh, for the summer. In fact, we're going to be looking at over the course of the summer with great guest speakers, pastors that uh, you know and, and love and appreciate who have been here before, uh, looking at the idea and the theme of thriving practices that promote spiritual health and growth. So those are going to be some themes as we travel through the summer and teaching, but um, also in-house, our, our pastors and, and our elders, uh, our deacons, um, as well as our Quest Pastors Academy uh, students are going to be sharing from time to time in the month of August. We're going to be studying the book of Philippians together and just kind of tying all of this, the design of the church, the why we do what we do, the, the practices that promote spiritual growth through the summer, and then culminating in uh, Philippians with the, just the joy of the Lord and the unity of the church. And so these are things to be praying for um, and to be anticipating uh, as we uh, go into the summer. So with that, we are going to be focusing in on this idea and the aspect of the upward church. Looking at Romans chapter 12, uh, we're looking at uh, verses 1 and 2. And really the, the main point for us to consider today as we, as we look at these verses is that worship is our primary duty. Every other activity is secondary. Worship is our primary at, at activity and, and duty. And uh, we see that in, in these verses. And we're going to we're going to kind of break this down in, in four simple ways, just a very simple outline for us. One is we're going to look at how worship is an all-consuming sacrifice. It's a lifestyle, a sacrifice. Second, we're going to see how worship, uh, a life of worship is uh, defined by holiness and purity. Third, we're going to see that worship, when our lives are surrendered to God and holy to God, then it's sweet and pleasing to the Lord. And then lastly, we're going to see how worship coming full circle in our lives, uh, acts as service to God, whether that's in uh, service to, to the Lord or in worship or in ministry and in whatever aspect we do for the Lord. And um, so this kind of brings up a couple of questions. One is, and you can just think about this personally, how do you prioritize your time? Just think about that for a moment. How do you prioritize your time? Well, I found if you don't prioritize your time, often your time prioritizes you. If you don't set a schedule and organize your day and put together those things that really are important to you, and we use various tools and utilities, uh, you probably use calendars and maybe even apps to help streamline or to make your time more uh, efficient. Uh, there's one interesting thing on, on the iPhone. I don't know if you've if you got an iPhone. It might be on other devices, but it's called screen time. I don't know if you've uh, come across that before, but basically it's reading and recording all the information of what you do on your phone. Uh, the apps that you open, the time that you are on that app, the accumulation of the time that you are on that app in any given 24 hours. And so if you go and look at your screen time, you just click that app and open it up, you can see all of your priorities. So we're going to open up our screen time apps right now, and every single one of you are going to come up on screen, excuse me, up on stage and share with us. No, just kidding. Uh, we won't do that to you because it's, it's convicting. In fact, what's interesting is Sunday morning at like 8.30, right before I'm getting ready to come up and preach, I always get the alert for screen time. And I just get convicted because, oh, wow, okay, I spent all this time on this app or, you know, looking at this or that when... 
In fact, as we prioritize our time looking at the scriptures, it's uh, to be honoring and glorifying God in whatever we're doing. And so we're all given the same thing. Uh, you know, time is an interesting thing. It's, it's something that we all have and we all have the same of. Uh, it's a great equalizer. It's time. Now, we don't know how much time we have. The Bible says that, you know, God knows the days numbered for us. But we've all been given uh, 24 hours in a day and 1,440 minutes in a day, as well as 86,400 seconds. I know you wish that was money, $86,400, but that's not the case. It's seconds. Every single one of us has been given 86,400 seconds. And what I hope that we would do today as we study the scriptures is to consider how we are prioritizing and focusing and choosing to invest that 86,400 seconds in a day to worship, to honor, to please the Lord. Because at the end of the day, nothing else matters except for pleasing God, honoring him, submitting to his will and purpose in our lives. And these verses, I believe, helps us focus in on this upward dimension of adoration and worship. So would you look with me in um, Romans? Actually, jump back in Romans chapter 11 and starting in verse 33, just for a little bit of a context, Paul says, Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. For who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has become his counselor? Or who has first given to him? And it shall be repaid to him. For of Jesus and through Jesus and to Jesus are all things to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. There seems to be a bit of a, of a transition here between chapter 11 and chapter 12. In the previous chapters, uh, Paul if you're not familiar with the book of Romans, was describing the theological foundations for the doctrine of, of, of salvation and uh, the mercies of God and the grace of God and the goodness of God in our lives being redeemed because and through the work of Jesus Christ. And so there's the theological foundation and the basis of our salvation. And now Paul transitions into the practical side of what does this mean for our lives? And you can see that in the words uh, in chapter 12, verse 1. He says, I beseech you therefore, right? When you see the word therefore, you need to look back and understand why it's therefore. And it's there to remind us of the mercies of God, of what he has already described in the previous chapters. I beseech you therefore, brethren. So we know that he's talking to the body. He's talking to the church, the bride of Christ, the brethren, followers of Jesus. If you're a follower of Jesus, listen up. This is for you. This is important. I beseech you, therefore, brethren. That beseech means to beg. It's an urgency in Paul's uh, voice and communication. By the mercies of God. Everyone say mercies. mercies. I love the mercies of God. Those mercies are new every morning, the Bible tells us. And uh, these mercies are just so wonderful. You could spend... You know, weeks doing a Bible study on the mercies of God and just looking at all of his grace. Mercy has the idea of his compassion and his care and his concern. Somewhat of the idea of the things that um, we really don't deserve and yet he's extending his mercy to us. And mercy also has the idea of upholding and strengthening us as well. By the mercies of God that you present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable Service. Now, some of your translations might uh, say reasonable worship. That's because this word in the original language is translated in either, either way. 
It can be used interchangeably. So there's this idea of worship or this idea of service. And it goes back actually to the Old Testament with the priests. The idea was they were offering ministry to the Lord in the temple, but it was an act of worship. So every act, uh, every act of work is an act of worship for the follower for, of Jesus and the disciple of God. So everything we do should be an expression of, of this type of appreciation of worship and, and adoration. And that also indicates to us that the small things are so very important. The things that we think that, well, no one else sees, well, God sees. Or it doesn't really matter in the big picture. Well, it does matter because as a body, we're, um, we all have our different abilities and gifts. And we're, we're diverse, but we're also unified. And as a body, we are interdependent upon one another. And so no one is, not everyone is an eye and not everyone is a, is a hand and not everyone is a foot. And so as we function in our role and our abilities and our gifts to the Holy Spirit, then the body is uplifted so that we would come to spiritual maturity in Christ, encouraging one another. And so he says uh, there's this service and this worship. And in verse 2, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Who wants to know the good will of God, the perfect will of God, the acceptable will of God, right? All hands up in the room. We all want to know what God's will is. And uh, this, if you reverse engineer, so to speak, these verses, you can begin to see how to walk in the will of God. And it comes through this outline that we described earlier by living a life of sacrifice, complete surrender and submitment, by having purity be uh, formed in, in our lives, which is pleasing to the Lord and understanding how we can serve him uh, through, through our lives. So I know there's just a couple of verses, but there's a lot packed here. And we are going to be digging into these words. But first is this idea of an of a all-consuming sacrifice, right? Paul says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you offer your bodies a living sacrifice. We'll just put a pause there and focus in on this idea of sacrifice and, and really bodies. But before that, Paul says, your bodies, which we might think, okay, well, what does that really mean? Well, the idea there is that our entire being, like who we are, like uh, the scripture says that uh, we're, we're physical and, and spiritual, mental, emotional, psychological. There's so many different dimensions to our existence. And, uh, you know, even Jesus said, what's the greatest commandment? He was asked and he said, the love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength. Strength is something physical and tangible that we can see. But the heart is not talking about the physical organ in the center of your chest. He's talking about the seed of, of who you are. So your heart, your soul, your immaterial, your, who, you, who you are is, is, is valuable to God. Uh, your heart, soul, your mind, your, your thoughts. And then he goes on to say that we should be renewed in our minds because it's in the mind through the word of God that our, our, our minds are renewed and, and we begin to understand truth and we, be, we begin to, our, our behaviors and our actions and our lives are shaped initially by the thoughts that we have. And so as our minds are renewed with the word of God, then we begin to move towards those things that please him because we're understanding truth. We're understanding his will. And God's will will never contradict his word. When you go back to his word, you'll see that there is a, 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 a consistency through which his word begins to be a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path. And it begins to shine areas in our lives where we're not holy, 
where we're not pure because we could go around this room and we could talk about how we're not perfect. But the idea of Christianity is not being perfect. It's being perfected. And this is a long process of sanctification, of being molded and being shaped into the image of Christ. And so Paul, in light of God's mercies, he says that and begs the church, the body of Christ, to draw near to God with their entire being. And these mercies, as I mentioned, were already described in the previous chapters. He talked about the mercies of justification, that you've been justified. Just as if I had never sinned because of the work of Jesus Christ on the cross, being the payment for my sin, the propitiation, the, the, the one in whom I am now forgiven and redeemed. So we're justified, and after we've been justified and forgiven and cleansed of sin, now we've been adopted into the family of God, Paul says, that we can cry out to God as Abba, Father, and experience this close intimacy and relationship with God. We've been given His grace, His unmerited favor. We've been gifted the Holy Spirit who cries and intercedes for us with moans and groans that words cannot express for the things that we don't even know we ought to be praying for, the comforter, the counselor, the helper. These are the mercies of God. There's no... Nothing, Paul says, that can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Neither height, nor depth, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come. Talk about the good mercies of God, right? There is also no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And that goes back to the greatest verse ever spoken, which was by Jesus in John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Verse 17. For God did not send his Son into this world to condemn the world, but that through Jesus the world might be saved. God's not condemning you. He's calling you and he's drawing you so that we would be transformed, changed. Jesus said to Nicodemus, you need to be born again. Paul said to the church in Corinth, you need to be transformed. The old has passed away and all things become new. This is the idea of the living sacrifice, which is kind of interesting because they seem to be opposites. And it's a, it's a picture of the Old Testament with the priests offering sacrifices upon the altars, burnt offerings. You'd kill an animal, you'd put it on the altar, it would be consumed by fire, and it would be a representation of worship and praise that would be pleasing to God. So there's this idea of fire and of burning and of consuming everything. But how, do you, how are you a living sacrifice? If you're, if, you, if you're dead, but how do you live? Well, you die to self, Paul says. When you put yourself upon the altar and you, and you surrender all to him, then you die to yourself. You pick up your cross daily and follow him. And as you die to self, it's then and through that process that we experience true life and true living. It's, it's through the refining process of the fire. I, I love that analogy, you know, on the altar. Not only is fire a picture of just, you know, uh, you know sometimes you, you might have heard the phrase, well, that person's really on fire for Jesus. So it's this idea of being passionate and really fired up for God. And the best way to stay on fire for Jesus is to keep and continuously keep in your life upon the altar. And just let the Lord just take your life and, you know, who you are and your abilities, your friends and, and, and your work and, and relationships and just the sphere of influence. It's through being entirely surrendered to, to him. But there's also this idea of the, the fire that brings purity and holiness. It's a refining fire. And so Paul says, in light of these mercies of God, draw near to him. It's a sacrifice. It costs something. An offering of priestly service, but 
What's interesting about these verses, if you follow the progression, is that through a living sacrifice, we're reminded that God wants you, not what you do for him. He wants you. He desires you. You know that God loved you even before you ever did anything for him. Even while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So this is such a challenge for me personally, especially for being someone who serves in, in ministry. Oftentimes we get our identity by the things that we do. And we get our worth and our value by how well we think we did or we think we didn't do. By the accolades or the pats on the back that we get from other people or the likes and the comments and the reposts that we get from things that we post on social media. But none of that matters because if it matters, that means that we're striving to please other people. That means we're working for other people instead of working and striving to please the Lord. And Paul says, I wouldn't be a bondservant of Jesus Christ if we're still trying to please people. And if you try to please people, you're going to spend many years of your life really frustrated and upset because you'll never please everybody. But you can please the Lord Jesus Christ because without faith, it's impossible to please God. Because anyone that comes to him must believe that he exists and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. There's many ways that you can please the Lord, but you don't have to do things to please God. The thing that you can do to please God is just to offer your body. God, I just surrender to you. This is this expression of, of worship. God, have me, all of me. Now, the problem is we all have to ask the question, God, do you have every area in my life? Is every area an op- open to you or am I holding the keys back? Am I, am I saying, well, you can have everything except for this? And that's where the application comes in for a message like this as we study God's word. God, would you take everything, burn it, burn anything away that might not be pleasing to you. I, I want to give my life to you. And God, whatever you want to do with my life, then I know that I can trust you. I know that you can do far greater, as the Bible says, that I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, plans to bless you, plans to use you. To give you a future and a hope. And sometimes you look at your, your, your situation and your circumstance. You, you think, man, there's no hope. There's no future. There's no prosperity here. I don't mean like prosperity and, you know, I just get whatever I want. But God, come on. I need a break here. Well, God is working. Don't throw in the towel. It's a life of sacrifice. It's a life of surrender to the Lord. And, and it is a life of, of pain as well. There's a process of pain, of, of offering our bodies as a living sacrifice to continually die and put it on the altar and say, okay, God, I'm not going to do it my way because when I do it my way, I run my life into a ditch. But when I do it your way, it's going to be good. It's going to be acceptable. And it's going to be pleasing to the Lord. Love the Lord your God, right, with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. This is the encouragement uh, that we see in these opening verses is the mercies of God, a living sacrifice. But then he goes on to say, holy. You see that word? Holy. And we could spend a lot of time just looking at that. Holiness. It's the idea of being consecrated or set apart. The definition is sacred, physically and morally pure, blameless and without blemish, consecrated, set apart for God. The Bible says of God, I am holy, therefore be holy. I mentioned we're not per- Excuse me, we're not perfect, but God is working his perfect will in our lives as, he, as we surrender and submit to him. And as we become living sacrifices, God makes us holy 
by burning away these impurities. The one example I mentioned earlier about being on fire for Jesus, but the other idea of fire is refinement. You could talk about the silversmith that uses heat to boil out the impurities in order to produce pure silver, pure gold. Well, the same thing is true. It's James says in his letter in the New Testament, consider it all joy when you encounter trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance, and perseverance character, and character hope. God is working. We don't want to, it's not joyful when you go through seasons of pain and, and trial, but God has a purpose and a plan in the pain. And if you hold on to Jesus as you're going through the storm, then you begin to see God produce these uh, types of qualities and characteristics of sanctification, of holiness. And oftentimes we think, well, you know, that's okay. Um, I'll, I'll learn that, you know, some other time. And we think about holiness as an optional addition. I don't know if you've ever gone to the, um, you know, to the dealership and you're buying a car and they try to sell you on all these extra things that you can buy. And, uh, okay, well, you want the lumbar support, you want the power windows, you want the heated seats, you want the, the backup camera and the sensors, whatever it is. Oftentimes, those extra uh, options uh, don't come with the base package. And you think, well, I need some upgrades here. And usually the base package is just stripped down, there's nothing to it, and it's the cheapest. And uh, when it comes to holiness, holiness is not an, an optional extra. It's standard package when it comes to the Christian life. It's intended to be a part of every person that rolls off the lot of Christianity. It's intended for everyone, holiness and purity. And so the question needs to be asked, God, not only are there things in my life that I haven't surrendered on the altar, but secondly, are there things in my life that aren't pleasing to you? Where do I need to change? Where does the Holy Spirit need to bring conviction? Where does the fire of the altar need to purify my life? And uh, this is the encouragement the testing of our faith. You might be in a testing time. You might really be in a trial right now. And I don't want to use trite words like, oh, well, God has a plan and, you know, uh, keep your eyes on Jesus and, you know, God will see you through. Yes, those are true, absolutely. But uh, we also can be encouraged by the fact that as you go through this pain, the Lord is faithful. He's good. And you can always worship Jesus when the whirlwind is going on around you. When you're dealing with a lot of pain, you can always praise Jesus in the pain. If you can't see what's around the corner and you can't see the hope and you can't see the future, then just see Jesus. Just look at him. Keep your eyes on him. Be in your word. It's really the foundational things that sometimes when life just gets heavy and serious, we tend to, going back to the priorities of our, of our time, we tend to exclude those things or to overlook those things or to push those things deeper in the calendar or in the schedule where it should be actually the opposite. This, this second, 86,400 right now, God, I just want to, I, I can't even get to the next second. In this second, in this minute, in this moment, Lord, would you give me your strength? Fill me with your hope. Do your work, the testing of my life, to produce something good and beautiful, holiness and purity. Why? Because if you follow the progression here, 
offering our bodies, God, have all of me. I, I, um, I'm dying to self. I, I give it to you. And now there's purity and holiness. And what does that produce? Something sweet to God. If you want to please the Lord, then it takes step one and two. I'm not saying that Christianity is about do this and do that. Uh, but I, I, I'm saying that we're encouraged in Scripture to get into an environment and a situation and a place in which for God to do his greatest work. And this is a great work of God in our lives, uh, being sweet. And he says, holy and acceptable. Notice that. He actually uses the word twice, acceptable to God, but then he says the acceptable will of God. This has the idea of well-pleasing to the Lord. Worship is a sweet pleasure, a sweet-smelling aroma uh, to God when we, are, uh, when we are surrendered and submitted to him. It's beautiful. It's sweet. It's acceptable to him. I think the best life that you and I can live is figuring out and doing what pleases God the most. That's it. Just simplify. We'll all just... Clear our calendars right now. Just uh, delete the app or clear all of the events and say, God, what pleases you most? And yes, of course, the routines and the duties and the responsibilities of work and family and relationship are important. And it's in those moments that God is developing this type of character and quality. So don't eliminate those things, but be faithful in them. But in the moment, say, God, I want to please you. What pleases you right now, God? And let me live for you. Figuring that out, I think, is a secret to life. And it's not so secret because it's right here. It's in God's word. If you want to figure out what pleases God, figure out what he has already told you pleases him in his word. Be in his word. Be in prayer. Be in a a, a place of surrender to him. Be in fellowship, right? These are the... These are the themes that we're talking about as a church, the, why, why we do what we do. Well, we, we, we share the gospel on an Easter carnival this past couple weeks. We share the gospel, why? Because we have all been in the throne room of heaven praising and worshiping Jesus. You remembered Moses when he would go up into, uh, up into the mountain to be with Jesus. And uh, he was getting with God, and, and he was receiving the Ten Commandments. And uh, his face was shining really bright when he came down the mountain. And there is evidence in a person's life when you spend time with Jesus. You remember the disciples uh, in the early book of Acts? And, uh, you know, it said something about these disciples weren't educated people. They weren't uh, very influential people. But they realized that these men and women had been with Jesus. And because of that, they were turning the world upside down. There is evidence of a life that has been with Jesus. I'm not saying your, your face is going to shine like Moses' face, all radiant. But there'll be a, a, a difference. There'll be a change. And when you spend time with Jesus, you can't help but be sent by Jesus to go spend time with people who need Jesus. It's a natural rhythm of gathering for worship of scattering to witness and to share in all of our various lives. So this is pleasing to the Lord. Another one of those analogies is, uh, you know, you look at like, um, like incense. And in order for these types of compounds to give off their fragrance and aroma, they need to be burnt, crushed, or broken. And the same, I think, is true of our lives, that as we go through times and seasons of brokenness, of of 
God burning away things in our lives, of feeling, feeling crushed and having painful situations, it's in those moments that the fragrance of Christ actually smells the best. It's, that, it's in those moments. And unfortunately, if I'm really being honest with you, I don't see that as much as I wish I would see that in my life. When the pressure's on and when I'm under a lot of stress, I tend to respond in anger, in frustration, and I'm short with my words, uh, with my wife or with my kids or with other people. And it's in those moments where I realize, oh, yeah, this isn't pleasing to God. And I'm grateful that we can go back to the Lord and say, God, would you forgive me? God, I need some more work as the potter and the clay, another analogy, forming, cutting, molding, shaping, softening the rough elbows that we have that jab people and the sharp tongues that we have that hurt people. This is the process of, um, of the Lord, you know, shaping and, and working in our lives. The best life is figuring out what pleases the Lord most and doing those things, and maybe just sniffing around a bit. What I mean by that is, you know, you go into a room or into a place, you smell something, and you realize, something's off here. There's something funky here. Uh, maybe there's something a little, little funky smelling in your life, and it's time to bag that up and throw it out and let the Lord refresh you and revive you. And then lastly, here, we're encouraged. We see uh, the living sacrifice, this sacrifice is holy. It's acceptable to God, which is our reasonable service. I like that word reasonable because it brings logic to it. If you're a, if you, if, I mean, we're all, we all should be thinkers and, you know, like, what does this really mean? This is the idea of um, spending time in, in deep thought and meditation and considering how this applies to my life. Worship, worship is an expression, uh, is expressed, excuse me, in service to God. And uh, it's in accordance with God's word. It's logical, but it also brings us to a place of choice and decision. I think that's really where we should all walk out of this place today. What is my decision on what I just heard? What is my choice about the 86,400 seconds I have? What is my decision about funky smells in my life, spiritually speaking, and sin that God wants to deal with? What is my decision about re reorganizing and prioritizing certain things so that I can be in a place that is pleasing to God and walking in step with the good and acceptable and perfect will of God? This idea of service is worship or ministry rendered to God. That's why we can see it uh, translated, whether it's in worship or, or service. And every act of work that we do, every act should be uh, seen as an act of worship to God. And so just kind of in closing here, basically following all of these verses through, when our heart is fully surrendered to God, our hands are wholly submitted in service to him. It's both and. It's not either or. Both and. God wants just our heart, our lives and as we surrender our, our hearts and our lives to him, then what follows is our hands. Okay, God, what do you have in your hand? What do you have in your life? What has God given you? What are the resources? What is the time, the talent, and the treasure that God has blessed you with? To go back and say, God, this is worship. You, there's a picture of worship in the scriptures in Revelation where you see the 12 dis, uh, dis, disciples, apostles, and the 24 elders 
And what do they do with the crowns? Because we're told that we get crowns in heaven. We get these jewels of, of faithful and the crown of life uh, in heaven. And they take these crowns when there's this beautiful picture of the throne room of heaven and the sea of glass and the crystal and the beauty and all of focus and attention is on the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, who is worthy and this praising and worshiping of Jesus. And they take all of these jewels, all of these rewards, all of these gems, and they throw and cast it down to the Lord. You are worthy. That's the encouragement today. God, I just want to give you all that you have given to me. Because we're going to do it at one point. Why not do it now? And live a life that is pleasing, acceptable uh, to the Lord. So with that, we're going to have our worship team come on up. We're going to close us in, uh, in a song. Actually, you're going to transition us. Well, they are going to close us in a song. Uh, but we are also going to partake of communion today. So um, this is a great opportunity. We do this on the first sun- Sunday of the month as a way to remember Jesus' sacrifice for us. Uh, but what a, great, what a great message, Bible verse, to uh, have communion on today because Jesus really is our ultimate picture of sacrifice. Jesus is our ultimate picture of holiness and purity. Even though he was fully man, just like us, yet he was without sin, pure. Jesus' life says, uh, he said that I've done the will of my Father to please him in all things. And Jesus shows us the way of service. So uh, with that, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your faithfulness, your goodness in our lives. Thank you for these verses and this theme and really just considering who we are as followers of Jesus, what you've done for us, and how we respond to that. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would do the work that only you can do in each one of our hearts and minds and lives right now as we partake of communion, because we're told to examine our lives before we eat the bread and drink the juice. Examine our lives. As David said in the Psalms, search me, O God, and know me, try me, and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Would you do that, Lord, right now? We love you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for joining us for the Quest Church San Diego Sermon Podcast. We hope you were encouraged by today's message. If you have any questions about the Bible, need prayer, or recently made a commitment to follow Jesus, we'd love to hear from you. Please visit questsd.com to get connected. You can also send us an email at info at questsd.com to let us know how God is using these messages to encourage you in your walk with Jesus. Until next time, we pray you have a blessed week.